Hi, my name's Shelley Flett. Welcome to the Dynamic Leader Podcast, where I share insights, experiences, successes, and failures with leaders from across a broad range of industries and business structures. I maintain that each of us needs to be open to sharing our experiences and making the leadership playground safe enough to fail, to grow, to have fun, and ultimately become more dynamic. So please sit back and enjoy. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to another Dynamic Leader Conversation. Uh, We know we're in a world of growth right now. Um, There's enormous amount of things happening all around us with technology and AI and company structure and the hybrid environment and all these kind of things. And, um, yeah, there's a huge need for us individually to continue to grow together. So today my guest is Rowena Millwood, and she is a personal growth and business expert. Uh, And she's written a practical guide. It's called Uncomfortable Growth. And the book is, or the guide is for leaders uh, on how they can uncover their own triggers and reframe fear to thrive across work and life. Um, I love the concept of reframing. I think it's so powerful. Um, Thank you so much for joining us, Rowena. Thank you so much for having me. So tell me what your thoughts are on, you know, why leaders need to have any kind of growth right now. Yeah, um, there's so much behind that, isn't it? Yeah. Start with the easy questions. Yeah, yeah. At the start, I think like everyone loves growing, you know, and we're we're wired to enjoy growth, you know. So when we learn new things or we just develop, we get more self-insight, self-awareness. So so growth is a wonderful thing and something that we inherently love as humans. The reason why, though, I felt it was important to, I guess, put the uncomfortable in front of the growth is because the the most powerful growth really comes through challenge. And I felt like in the corporate world, there was, you know, the word growth was thrown around so much, you know, in sales growth and strategic growth and, you know, people growth. But actually, it's more about the challenge that precedes the growth that's really important for people to I guess, appreciate and lean into. Um, And that's why growth actually is uncomfortable and why I felt like um, that whole conversation around growth needed to be reframed. So you talk about um, challenge preceding growth. Is that always the way that it happens or is it the best way it happens? Um, Look, it's not the only way. Sometimes we can just have wonderful experiences that help us grow so like for example a lot of people talk about travel and you know assuming nothing horrible happened you know they talk about oh as a wonderful life experience and something that helped them grow and appreciate you know differences across the world and culture and and just have wonderful experiences so it doesn't always have to come from challenge but some of the most powerful growth is around hard stuff and how we go through that journey of dealing with it. And in the in those kind of situations where it is hard, um, I think people can feel lonely and they can get stuck. Mm. And so while it's easy to talk about um, positive growth and, you know, nice growth from wonderful experiences, I feel it's um, equally important and if not more important, important because the conversation doesn't often happen about how some of the deepest most meaningful growth actually comes from challenges and learning how to navigate through them 
Yeah, that makes it makes a lot of sense. Um, you you talk in your book about identifying your growth zone, and I noticed that you know on this outer edge of your growth zone, you've got this safe space, and it's a known space, but it still sits in the uncomfortable zone, and I'm I'm confused by that because mm. can it be safe and known and uncomfortable? No, so um. So I know the diagram you're talking about. Um, so um, when the uncomfortable growth zone and all the zones actually which are um, helpful actually are between the axes of safe and challenge, so or known and challenge. Yeah. So when it's too known, um, it, it may feel safe, but it's actually not challenging you to grow at all. When it is too challenging, um, that's when anxiety can be triggered um, and that's not healthy either. So the growth zones that are most beneficial happen in, you know, kind of the balance between both of those mm. um, and there are different levels of growth. So I talk about, you know, there is the stuck zone, which is not not great. Most people don't want to stay in the stuck zone. But beyond that, there's the um, comfort zone, mm. which we can probably all associate with being in that zone. There's the learning zone, which is a bit more challenging because we're doing things differently. We feel we're learning. But the best zone, um, I believe, for um, continual growth is the uncomfortable growth zone. Mm. And that's when it's not so uh, challenging that it triggers anxiety or our fears so much that we actually close down. But mm. it's also not in that safe zone because that's too known and we do love to grow. So it's all about recognising, you know, which zone are you in now and also recognising that sometimes you can move up and down those zones. Mm. And that's okay. Do you see um, people going from the stuck zone, like the right inner edge of the stuck zone, right out to then the uncomfortable zone and this this massive shift that they make and fall over and then go back to something that's more safe? Um, it can happen from one extreme. So often the stuck zone brings about that desire for change uh, because you're feeling so stuck. Um, and that's where people often will make really big decisions, you know. So it's like I don't want this to change a little bit. I want this to change a lot. Um, and they may make a huge decision and suddenly they're in the uncomfortable growth zone. Um so, yes, it does happen like that, um, but it can also happen by moving, say, from a learning zone to an uncomfortable growth zone um, or a comfort zone to uncomfortable growth. Mm. It's really about understanding um, where you're at and why you're there so that you can then, you know, choose or take action to move to a different growth zone. And often that feeling of stuckness is what will cause that will be the catalyst for mm. movement. But outside of that, they might be stuck and maybe hover in between that comfort, safe space, but not actually really make any progress. Um, and so, you know, is outside of the stuck zone, like what is the catalyst for, I, I'm seeing a lot of leaders that are really hurting right now, but they're in a comfort, comfort safe space, mm -hmm. um, but they're not quite stuck. So they're not, feeling stuck but they're in that space but there doesn't seem to be this catalyst yet mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and yeah, that worries um, me yeah and no, I I think 
I think post-COVID, um, because that caused so many things to change, it forced people to reassess a lot of things and think, is that really what I want? Um, so I, you know, talking to my clients and, and leaders in the business world, I see a lot of people going, where am I at? I'm not necessarily in, you know, it, like I'm not thriving. I'm not in that uncomfortable growth zone, but I'm not sure what I want. And that, that I think is where a lot of people are at. It's why we're seeing, you know, the great resignation. People are resigning because they're saying, it's not what I want, but they're not necessarily clear on what they do want. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, there's different degrees to that. You know, sometimes we're clear that I just don't want to be working at this company, but I want to work at a different company. Mm-hmm. But some people, I think, particularly post-COVID, where they had time to stop and reflect, they've gone, it's not just getting another job that I'm looking for. I may want to actually change into a different career or do something different. Like I had a really interesting conversation with someone just last Friday who has been in the media industry, extremely senior person, um, you know, and we're talking about work-related stuff. Mm-hmm. And she said, she goes, oh, I've always been thinking and or interested about maybe just leaving corporate and doing my own thing. And, you know, I'd love to have a coffee with you about that one day. So I think it's in people's minds around what is it I want Mm. Um, and again, that um, that's being, I guess, triggered with COVID. But I think it also happens naturally, very, very frequently in midlife, mm. and for people in their forties and fifties. Yeah, and, and of course, we've got um, generations coming through that don't have the same fear as your baby boomers and your Gen Xs, yeah. and so you see it a lot more, and they'll talk about it a lot more. And there is this sense of, well, I can actually do something different, and and it won't really disrupt the way that I live and I can succeed and that kind of thing. It's really interesting to see that play out. Yeah. Yeah. It was, um, I, I totally agree. I think that, um, you know, every generation has different things that shape them. And I see with uh, the millennials how, you know, they've got that openness, you know, they can change and shift careers and they probably already have a couple of times if they're in their thirties. Um but the challenge I see still for them is figuring out what are the aspects of their choices that make them happy. Mm. So it's a different point in the journey. I think Gen X is very much around, you know, I've kind of followed this path because that's what people did and now I'm not sure I want the same path. And so there's fear around shifting. Mm. Whereas millennials, I, f- I feel, don't have that same level of fear because mm. shifting is more commonplace. But then it's like, am I happy with where I still am? Um, mm. And how do I figure out what it is that would make me, you know, more fulfilled, more happy or with what they're looking for? Which prompts my next question <laughs> around, you know, our future is dictated by our past, like where we're going kind of comes from where we've been and you know you talk about the those you know four four things around um you know what do I know oh sorry what do I what I do what I know what I could be and what I choose Mm -hmm. and I kind of go well how do we how do we how does that work how do we shift what we know and because I think a lot of that is influenced generationally Mm -hmm. is you know, how we're, how we're formed comes from so many 
factors in our environment, etc. Mm. How, how do we how do we choose what we want in the future while not be too influenced by the past? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, <laughs> may, may not be a question for me personally, but, you know. <laughs> so, okay, I mean, this, um, this tension between past and future, right, mm. which is kind of what we're talking about, how do we navigate that? Um, and actually the first two questions are designed for understanding the past or what's been, you know, what has happened to date. So most people can answer what I do, which is the first question. That's usually like quite simple. You know, I do this type of work. I'm a mother. I'm a partner. I'm a, you know, I love flying, whatever it is that you feel like you do. So that is usually something that people can answer quite easily. What I know is much harder. Um, And this is where um, you really need to step back and reflect. And I love your point on everything that's happened because one of the exercises I usually have people do is create their own lifetime line mm. and start to look at, well, what has happened and what were the highs and what were the lows? And do you see a connection? Like what have you learned from that? And it seems like such an obvious thing because, of course, we've lived our history but it doesn't mean that we've actually looked at it and reflected on it and then looked at the patterns. Um, so there are a number of different things I think that come into really understanding what I know. Mm. And, and that deep understanding is actually a critical foundation for the next two questions, which take you into the future, which is, you know, question three is what could be and question four is what I choose. And I think once you've, if you've got that clarity around what I know, then you've got clarity around what you're, you know, what you're actually looking for from that future. So it gives you more permission to explore because one of the things I feel we we do is we say, okay, I'm not happy. I haven't necessarily looked at where, what I really want, but I say I'm not happy. So I react and, you know, a, a job comes my way. So I take that job. Um, you know, I, I, I'm reacting to things. I, I, I just, I'm not happy. So I'll have a holiday. Yeah. So a lot of them are quick fixes. Um, and they're not actually, um, thinking through what is the root cause of why I'm feeling what I'm feeling and hence, how do I identify what's important to me moving forward? And then how do I use that to decide what are the best possibilities and opportunities and then choices that I can make? So it is, it is a process. And I think mm. to your point, like understanding your past is absolutely critical to understanding yourself and where you want to move to. And then, you know, activating possibilities that become opportunities that then give you those choices. It's really complex. And, you know, you you talk about what you think you know versus what what you know so that makes it more complicated mm-hmm. but how do you know how, what, how do you know what you know versus what you think you know and if you thought you knew what you knew it becomes what you think you know but what if that's not what you know <laughs> oh. I just I got wound yeah, up in a bit of a <laughs> I know web I was like, oh gosh and then it's like is the reality is it real yeah. yeah. So um so I think about it 
a little bit differently. I think that we actually know a lot of stuff. We just haven't taken the time to reflect on it and actually articulate it so it moves from our subconscious into our conscious mind. Beautiful. Yeah. And so once we actually like lay it out and reflect and and look for the patterns and think it through, we're much clearer. And because most emotions and triggers live in our subconscious. So unless we bring it into our conscious mind, then it's not there to help us navigate moving forward. And that's the whole concept of getting it out. Like get it out of I'm saying this all the time. Like get it out of your head when because I know myself, when I get it out of my head, you know, I'll have this, well, I think this about something. And then it comes out of my mouth and I'm like, that sounded better in my head than what it does coming out. <laughs> Actually, you know, that's not and over the last seven years uh, of you know creating my own kind of content, etc., it was the writing down of things. It's like, this is my firm belief. And then I look at it and go, that's not actually true. There's Mm -hmm. so many caveats around that. And then I would reword it and then I would, and, you know, I think I've spent years going over that. Um, So that's what you mean by thinking you know and actually knowing is that that really important part about reflection. Yeah, yeah. And also because, um, you know, if we haven't, you know, kind of gone through that exercise and reconciled things fully in our mind because there might be a bit of our past and a bit of our past over here and another thing that happened over here, all of which forms a belief. Mm. But if we haven't kind of looked at it holistically in terms of what we really think, then we won't be precise. And I love what you just described around, you know, I'd write something down, but it wasn't quite precise and you knew that. So then you had to kind of think through, okay, well, what am I missing or what else do I believe or is there a different, you know, like way to express that to better represent what you truly felt? And I think, um, you know, most people know so much stuff, they just haven't had that time to actually think it through, reflect and articulate it to themselves because when we when we get to that point where we go, this is what I know, your gut will tell you, yes, this is right, these are my values or these are my beliefs and here's why Mm. I think that way and it just feels like it feels right you're aligned with all of the experiences and things that have happened. And then your playback, what you're saying to yourself, then starts to reflect what it is that you've been able to articulate in a way that is what you think it was. And so you feel like you've got a lot more control over your thoughts and how you perceive yourself, which then I think opens up this opportunity to embrace more of the challenge, to embrace more of the discomfort. Would it be fair to say that you've kind of got to know what you know before you can move into, like, is that worthwhile doing so that you don't kind of blow yourself up? Absolutely. Like I think, um, you know, I'll say to people, when was the last time you had a cup of tea with yourself? Mm-hmm. And, and people will like look at me and go, mm, not sure. It was a while ago. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, if you haven't spent that time just letting things, all the things filter to articulate what you believe, then you're on shaky ground because in our subconscious, sub, our subconscious doesn't prioritise things, it just is. So if it hears something more, then it believes that it it actually doesn't have that rational ability to say that's true or not true, which is why 
um, you know, things like journaling and things like reflection and meditation, anything that helps you reconcile um, what you really think in total is actually really helpful. Mm. And then, you know, the point you made around once it is clarified, though, you know, and you're clear on your belief, then you it's very easy to use it to help you navigate. So, you know, if you're clear that your value, and I'm just making this up, but if your value, say, was respect, your number one value was respect, suddenly you're very clear around situations where respect is something that you, you know, advocate for or if it hits that value in a negative way, then you'll say something, you're more likely to stand up, you're more likely to take action around something that you've already articulated is critical to who you are the biggest value in understanding what my values were was the lack of action I then took because mm-hmm. I realized the, it was, it was such a great distinction between, cause for me, it's for me, fairness is very important. And I realized that I was being triggered by things that I saw to be unfair, but mm-hmm. lacked the, the full context or um, weren't necessarily that important to other people. And so it, it also gave me a lot of um, reassurance that that's mine and that's mine alone. And actually mm-hmm. it's not up to me to put that onto anyone else. So there was also this little bit of freedom that I found within that. Yeah. Um, do you think that leaders who can do with, who can sort of work with that are going to be better able to be in service to their people in a way their people need? Absolutely. Um, you know, you know, senior people leaders, they're not on the tools, you know, so they're very much around um, leading others through direction, through connection, um, motivation, inspiration, etc. cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, and, the ability to articulate who you are and what you stand for is so critical. Mm-hmm. And as we all know, like people will have different values. That's that's okay. That's actually a good thing. But you feel connected to someone when they're able to share who they are and why. Um, and I think that, um, you know, in the business world, because we're so focused on the work outcomes, we you know, particularly at the senior leader level, we focus still too much on the work rather than the people doing the work um, and really understanding the role, like the impact it has when you're able to connect, inspire, motivate, but also be clear about what you think is wrong. Mm. So there's that accountability piece as well. So it's not just about, it's not all about just positivity and, you know, it's all perfect because business is hard as well. It's about being able to be um, clear and consistent, which also makes you authentic and genuine. Mm. Um, And people will respect that and understand also, um, you know, how that manifests into your expectations of them. Mm. So thinking about, you know, reflection and, you know, needing to kind of understand your people and be there and requiring to slow down. Mm. How do you overcome this challenge? And I'm seeing this a lot of late is those that don't have time to grow. (laughs) (laughs) There's so much. And there's, I mean, no one's ever had time, but it feels right now that there is just, there's less than ever. So I'm seeing leaders that are, 
they're not slowing down. It, it, we're going faster than ever. And, you know, they've kind of got wind of, oh, it's not okay to say, say I'm busy all the time. It's like, um, you know, there's heaps going on. I don't have time is a lot of what I'm hearing and that they don't have time to invest in their own growth at the mm-hmm. moment. Um, there are some that do, but a lot of the time it is they're so close to the edge of exhaustion mm-hmm. that oh, they must be going through enormous amounts of discomfort before they decide to do something about it. If you've got listeners that are, you know, listening to our conversation now who are, I am exhausted, it is mm-hmm. getting close to that point, but I just don't have enough time. Is it about prioritizing this uncomfortable growth? And the other thing about growth is I don't want it to be uncomfortable because I'm already exhausted and my capacity is already diminished. So how do you navigate that? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so there's lots of great questions in that. Um, I think when we get to the point where we're exhausted, that we need to listen to that feeling and sense and go something has to stop or something has to change. Um, so it's almost like that needs to be a bit of a warning bell um, because we're never able to think as well as we could or to make good decisions when we're exhausted. And so, um, you know, I think it's really important to listen to yourself and say, am I moving out of the uncomfortable growth zone or one of the other zones into the anxious zone, um, which is not healthy? So we do need to listen to those signals. And it's not it's not just, um, you know, taking an afternoon off. Um, it's about like stopping for a bit so you can, you know, start to really assess why this is. Because mm. if you continue, you're probably going to burn out. Mm. You're going to have health issues um, or something more serious. So I think there is that piece. Now, that doesn't take away the the drivers that create that scenario. And so I think um, what leaders need to think about is, you know, how do they think about all the aspects of their life? Because the reality is it's not just work. You know, it could be family. It could be um, mm. other commitments. You know, there's a there's a lot of different pieces that go in. And I, you know, I, I'll say to people, you don't want to be in the uncomfortable growth zone in every dimension of your life. You know, so if if you're saying now is the time to drive my career, well, I hope it's because, you know, you've got some a bit more stability, you know, a bit more comfort maybe in your family situation. Mm. Um, you know, I always say to mothers returning to the workplace, um, I don't recommend that you take that job you've never done before that you're going to have a high level of anxiety around when you're still trying to figure out how to be a working mum. Just, gosh, yes. you know, take, take six to 12 months because also you don't know what your child is going to be like, whether they're going to be an easy baby when you're back at work or a difficult, you know, difficult mm. child who doesn't sleep. And then you're trying to do this hard job that you haven't done before with no sleep. So just take some time and go and recognize that family is, is in your uncomfortable growth zone now because you've never done it before. Um, so take take a role that's in more of your learning zone or comfort zone. And in 12 months' time, two years' time, five years' time, you can change it up again. So our decision, our decisions are not forever. Mm. But we do need to recognize that you can't go full throttle 
in every aspect of your life. Mm. Um, if you, you know, want to manage your your sanity and ability to be sustainably healthy. Okay, I've got a personal question on this one. <laughs> so do you think sometimes the universe is conspiring to just make that all happen for you? Um, you know, I decided I made a huge decision to leave my corporate role after four years of skirting around the edge. Mm-hmm. I was waiting until I had my third child because I would, you know, the maternity leave and all that kind of stuff, but could not get pregnant. And um, finally was like, you know what? I may never have three children. That's fine. I'm going, made the decision um, and then fell pregnant. (laughs) (laughs) And so ended up having a a newborn, um, you know, three months after I left my corporate job. Um, And there was time to, there was time to unwind. There was time to kind of go, I could have decided and I probably needed to speak with you um you know seven years ago about do you really think that you know having this much discomfort in multiple areas of your life is good but it it broke me in a lot of ways Mm -hmm. um but also I think it was I think it's what's given me this strength to go oh I think that's as hard as it's going to get um is it because then the other part of me was it took me four years to make the decision. So mm-hmm. if I stayed, what then? And I do sometimes wonder about that. And I don't really even know what I'm asking with that question. It's just really <laughs> curious. To- <laughs> yeah, no, I think um, it's like how do you navigate those big life decisions and, mm. and, and how do you reconcile it? Because you can't go back in time and we'll never know what would have happened if we'd done things differently. So, I mean, I have a couple of philosophies on that because I don't think anyone has the answer. Um, but my philosophies is are, is around, um, you know, you have to manage your growth holistically. So, you know, I talk about in my book the four domains of a whole life mm, um, yes. and one aspect is yourself, one aspect is your career, one aspect is your family and relationships and one aspect is contribution or giving back or what you do in the community. And the percent of your time or focus at any point in your life will be different. So when you're in, you know, like we talked about family, when you've got young kids or you're a new mum or parents, family is suddenly going to go up Mm. in terms of the level of learning and how uncomfortable you are until you get the hang of it and you feel confident in how you're going to do it. Mm. Um, sometimes you know we're ready to really go full throttle again in careers so whether it's younger whether it's midlife whether it's changing careers and we want to put a lot of focus and energy into that now if you're doing that in your career you you may want to make sure that um, you know you've got a level of um, you know like comfort but also you're not overstretching yourself so you end up feeling I'm so stressed out about everything. I can't do it. Mm. But that's when people burn out. Um, So I always say, look at the four areas Mm. and be realistic. You know, if you want to just be, if you're in the comfort zone for all of them, you're probably fine, but you're probably also then feeling I'm looking for something more. Mm. Um, So just be, just recognize that you're a whole person, that growth comes from lots of different aspects of your life. um, And don't, don't overcommit or expect to be 
you know, this super person who can do everything at full throttle because no one can. It's not sustainable. And so that's where we have to step back and be a little bit kind to ourselves um, and just recognise that a decision for now isn't a decision forever. I mean, Mm. you could have gone back to corporate. Um, You know, you can make different decisions if they don't turn out how you want. Mm. I think what's important is you're kind of making a decision based on really knowing what's important um, and then making sure that you're not pushing yourself into the anxiety zone and mm-hmm. you're actually, you know, like thinking of yourself as a person rather than as a machine. I that is it's that's so nice to hear. And I think, you know, I think about how when I when I make a decision, my decision's usually quite final. And then I then contrast that to what you've said already around what do I think I know versus what I know. And what I know about tomorrow morning when I do my journaling is that I'm going to be having a chat with myself about what I think I know versus what I know, particularly on the, on the decision-making thing. Cause mm-hmm. I think, and yeah, it's interesting. Like the more you talk about, it, the more you go, oh, I'm doing that thing. And I actually didn't realize that that was the thing that has caused all of this kind of thing. So I, I like that, you know, decisions aren't final and you can kind of change that and go back. And there's so much flexibility and movement, particularly in today's environment. Um, and I think it's that, you know, what is all the stuff that's underneath? And this is what we need as leaders to take the time to figure out, because if we can't figure this out, what kind of environment are we creating for our teams, but also for future leaders? Because I think they're really looking for role models today and going, can someone just, can not just someone, there's a lot of leaders who can, but can more than just a couple of people start to get this right so that I can see, you know, some traction and and a future. And help me to figure out, um, you know, these big choices and questions across my whole life Mm. because we don't just live as a professional we don't just live as, you know, as, a, as an individual. We have family and other things going on. So, mm-hmm. you know, so much of, um, you know, growth is around, you know, thinking about how it all fits together mm-hmm. um, and and just being open about that. Yeah. So, so you can have those conversations with people at work who are also struggling with it, um, you know, yeah. and you know, there may be a curveball that's coming and there could be something over and above that you weren't expecting. And Mm. and that's why I think it's so important for leaders to think about the quality of the conversations um, rather than just the the quantity. It's it's the quality um, and giving people the tools to help them self-navigate how they can make these choices better. Mm. I think that is a beautiful place to kind of end the conversation. Um, I, you know, that just taking the time to to really understand yourself so that you can then understand others. Even you know, if people can start quite small. If you got practical, like if to kind of end the conversation, have you got practical tips on how leaders can start doing doing that? Yeah. So it's really about getting in touch and getting clarity on what you know. So there's lots of techniques and you've mentioned a couple of them. So there's journaling. Mm. Um, I find a lot of people really enjoy journaling because it gets out all the stuff um, out of your head and onto a page and you can start to make sense of it. Um, But other people um, enjoy 
other ways of doing that could be mindfulness or yoga or going for a run. So I think you have to figure out your own technique Mm -hmm. for getting in touch with yourself. So what does your cup of tea look like? Mm. And it needs to be regular. Like if you only do it once every two years, it's not that helpful to help you think about what are the, you know, what's important in my everyday. So, you know, it is a discipline, but I find, you know, 20 minutes every day, just doing it time for yourself makes a huge difference. So it doesn't have to be this, whole hour commitment it can just be 15 20 minutes a day mm. about the time it takes to drink a cup of tea exactly boil the kettle it. have the cup of tea and uh, enjoy that moment of serenity I love that idea I actually think I might go put the kettle on now and, and sit with myself I, I think that is such a brilliant concept <laughs> making you have a really nice china cup too it makes it all the more, all the more lovely <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you so much for the conversation, Rowena. Um, I definitely recommend people get a copy of Uncomfortable Growth. There's so much value in that. So appreciate you taking the time. It's my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Excellent. And thanks everyone for listening. I look forward to another Dynamic Leader conversation with you soon. Thanks again for listening to another episode of The Dynamic Leader. There is no better time than now to work through your leadership and people strategy to establish what the future might look like for your business and how you might empower your people to help you succeed. It is through building the capability of your people and reducing their dependency on you that will keep you moving forward at pace and will see you remaining relevant in the future. I have worked with over 100 businesses across almost as many industries and seen firsthand the challenges that come with employing, engaging and managing staff. If you're looking to improve how you lead, why not reach out for a conversation? In the meantime, thanks so much for joining me and stay awesome.